Champs Lunch! Champs Lunch! What's up, buddy? Hey, hey, look. Champs Lunch, a Schmodown podcast from the hosts of Some Like It, Scott. I'm Scott Harvey, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Scott Shelton. Scott, today we'll be going through all of the Schmodown action from May 2019, with one exception, of course, that being the Houston Live event, which we talked about on our special episode that you can find right now in the very same feed where you found this episode on. Definitely be sure to check that out, because we went into detail not only about the uh, matches that we saw in Houston, but also the entire live event experience, which was pretty amazing. So uh, definitely don't miss that episode if you haven't had a chance to catch up with it yet. But today we are going to uh, turn our focus to the in-studio matches that happened uh, in May 2019. Uh, but first of all, Scott, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Scott. You know, it's been another wonderful month in the in the Schmodown this past May. Of course, the highlight being the Houston live event, which, you know, you're, you're right. We've already talked about. We're probably not going to uh, talk in depth about today. We might reference it, of course. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's that got to be the, the capstone event uh, of the month for us. And the only thing I'd add to that is that it, it's impressive because we had some really fantastic matches in studio, you know, a few of which that honestly, I was looking at our rundown for today. I'd already forgotten had happened this month because it, it just felt like so much has happened and it felt so long ago. But you know what? Dan Merle did retain that belt versus Bibbs this month, but that was all the way back at the beginning of the month. And it, it feels like it's been a very full month since then. And, and that speaks to the quality and uh, the number of matches we've been getting that have really kept us occupied since then. Yeah, without a doubt, it was a jam-packed month. They are really hitting their stride, I think, here with the Magic season and uh, well on their way to this being, you know, possibly the best season of the Schmodown yet. But Scott, why don't we start with the singles division? As you just mentioned there, uh, one of the first matches this month was the singles title match uh, between Dan Merle and William the Beast Viviani. Um, Of course, Viviani getting into this match after winning that three-way against Roca and Irwin. uh, And going up against Dan, the defending champion, the greatest of all time. Um, and he was uh, successful in his quest to defend the belt. Uh, he's the first singles title winner, in fact, to uh, defend the belt since Sam Levine was around. Of course, Bibbs and uh, Rokal held the singles belt in that time and Ethan, but none of them were able to defend the belt um, on their first try. But uh, not so with Merle. Um, it was a competitive match. Uh, Scott, but it was really that uh, betting round in round three that sort of turned the tide uh, when a movie release dates question came up. One of the few holes, maybe, you know, possibly you could say the only hole in Bibbs's uh, movie knowledge uh, because he is such a savant. Um, but Merle was able to pick up some hard earned points there. And when you're facing someone like Dan Merle, if you allow him to get a five point lead, um, which is what happened in this match. Uh, it's always going to be hard to come back because he's just not going to miss very many questions. Yeah, no, I, I think a huge turning point in the match was definitely the the betting round. Like you mentioned, the movie release dates, four-point swing. Of course, it, I mean, ultimately it was a TKO, so there was clearly more involved uh, in, in the decision and the outcome than that, but that really felt like that created such a difficult deficit for Bibbs to overturn at that point because it went from 13 to 12 at the end of round two to 15 to 10 to start the speed round. And even though they shared the spoils of the speed round, you know, once you're five points down going into round five, it, it is a, it feels like a really difficult task because in in order to even get a lead, you have to hit your five point question. And that, you know, Bibbs is, has been shaky in the past in the third round. And, you know, it's not that he, you know, went over three in the third round this time, but he only managed to grab his two point question. Sometimes that's just the way the categories fall, right? I mean, we've seen it, you know, match after match, week after week, month after month, where people struggle, um, and it's, you know, entirely dependent on the categories that they're getting in that in that final round. And so ultimately it was a TKO. The match was probably closer um than that score implies, and that's just mm-hmm. because of again, that round three and then um you know, maybe feeling a little bit intimidated by the five point deficit going into round five. 
Yeah, you know, Dan Murrow really is back at the top of his game. He's really cruising right now. When I watch these matches nowadays, I just still have to wonder how on earth did this man lose to Andrew Guy? <laughs> I know ring rust uh, is real. And I mean, if there's any match that proves it, it's that. But still, it's just it's it seems like it really was the perfect storm that day uh, when Guy stepped into the ring. But, mm-hmm. you know, Merle, to his credit, has rebounded um, as well as anyone possibly could from that uh, hey. loss. If you ever want to revisit that match, I'm happy to watch it with you uh, as it was one of my greatest moments of 2018 in the Schmodown for sure. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I've said it before, but for the kayfabe, it was great for my personal enjoyment. Not so much, but um, still an incredible moment regardless. Um, and Scott, an, an, an equally uh, strong match that we had this month in the singles division, maybe even in terms of uh, exciting excitement wise. Uh, a better match than that title match uh, was a showdown between two veterans of the game, um, Mark Riley and Jeff Snyder. This is a match that had been hyped up for uh, quite a little bit. You know, Snyder uh, rolling right now with the odd couple and and a great performance in the free for all. Uh, Riley had that win over Drew McQueenie early this year. Um, so two guys really looking to uh, maybe be the next one up to face Merle in the singles division. Uh, and man, this was a tight match all the way. Riley really got the wheel going his way um, in round two when Snyder uh, got that opponent's choice. Riley went with comic book movies, uh, and it did kind of backfire on him uh, because Snyder was able to muster up some points. You know, Scott, I think you said it that uh, as much as he doesn't like comic book movies, maybe he does see all of them. So uh, I don't know if Riley might have been better served going with something like scores and soundtracks, but he was able to do the scores and soundtracks himself uh, when he spun and got spinner's choice in round two. Uh, But despite, you know, the wheel going his way, uh, he only had that one point lead going into the final round. Uh, It came down to the five point questions for Snyder with what he admits, what he admitted after the match was an absolute guess based solely on the fact that he was given the nationality of the actor, right? It was a Welsh actor. He guessed the only Welsh actor that he knew, um, Risa Fons. And it happened to be correct. Um, and he took the lead. Riley then had a chance to win it on his five-point question, but just could not get the answer. Um, an extremely competitive match all the way, Scott. Uh, but Jeff Snyder, at the moment, seems like he can do no wrong. Yeah, I mean, Snyder certainly has rekindled whatever it is that that he originally had back with his, you know, you know, magnificent run with the Patriots. Uh, st- I mean, we'll talk about the team title match a little bit later on in the show. But what we got from Snyder here today is, is clearly someone who is very driven, very sharp and, you know, really wanting all, all the belts to, to use a phrase that we hear several competitors use uh, some of the time but for this match I you know it really did hinge on the five-point question for me this is the best match we've seen so far this year in terms of quality Snyder just shows that what an absolute professional he is at this game sometimes with that you know educated guesswork that he creates right using every detail that he gets in a question even if he has no idea who's on the back end and it's so interesting to see you know, that approach, approach to the game in questions that you don't really know the answer to, but you do your best to to make come up with the best guess you can juxtaposed against the moments where he loses his head, which I think even, you know, even briefly in the team title match is something that we saw for, you know, if he didn't have Mark and Draco alongside him at the table in that team title match, you know, it could have gone a different way when they answered their five point yeah, question because he seemed fully on tilt after uh, Clark Wolf's challenge of uh, and Draco's answer in round two or in the final round. You know, we'll leave that for our discussion in, in a few minutes. But for this one, again, he got comic book movies, which we know Snyder is is vocally not a fan of. But to your, you know, exactly right from from what you said, he probably still sees most of these. He works at Collider. Yeah, his job at Collider isn't covered isn't to cover comic book movies, but it's unavoidable. I think I, I can't remember if it, if this was in this match or not but he had a question about the door melage in one of his matches and i think it was this one and i'm like you know what there's no way that jeff snyder gets the answer to that question if he isn't in the office with Je- with john roca who like i think there was a period of a couple of movie talks where somehow john roca managed to bring up the door melage on every single one so it's just one of those <laughs> things where 
Snyder's in an environment around an office full of people who watch these movies. He probably see he probably still sees them himself begrudgingly uh, for his job and, and, you know, to be able to have these conversations and, and talk about these movies and say how much he hates them and thinks that they're overrated <laughs> just to prove a point, maybe. But that just shows that, you know, Snyder has his bases covered so well. And, you know, we know how good of a team's player he is from his run with the Patriots and now his run with the odd couple. And he's proving that he's could be just as good of a singles player when he is able to stay focused and stay sharp. Yeah. You know, I think he probably has to be a little bit disappointed that uh, he's not going to get the next crack at Merle. You know, I said that at the beginning, but uh, you know, he actually, we know um, for a fact that the next uh, challenger for Dan Merle is going to be either David Del Rio, Liz Shannon Miller, JTE, Paul Oyama, or Chance Ellison. Uh, we're going to have a little gauntlet here coming up over the next couple of weeks uh, with the, the two winners uh, who, who reached the finals facing off in a number one contender match at the uh, Schmodown collision with the winner then going on to face Merle in that title match. But I have to say, whoever wins that uh, title match, you know, I guess Dan would probably get a rematch at this point if he was to lose. Um, it's two defenses and you get a and you get a rematch, right? So. OK. So he'd have to defend again. Yeah. But quick, quick question, though, because you listed five players there. And, and I, you know, you will. I think this is something that was announced on Collider Live. And so you're, you're a little bit sharper on these subjects. How is the particular gauntlet working? So JTE basically has a buy. Um, he will face the winner of Liz Shannon Miller and David Del Rio, mm-hmm. which is coming out this Friday. Yep. Uh, the winner of that match will advance to the finals mm-hmm. to face either, whoever wins between Chance Ellison and Paul Young. Yeah. Uh, so Snyder, but, but, you know, whoever wins ends up winning that title match. You got to think Snyder is going to be one of the first people up, you know, with the chance at a number one contender shot to challenge them after this big win. Yeah. It's one of those things where there's enough competitors in the singles league now, where I feel like there's probably in, at least in Christian's head, whether it's formalized or not, there's probably another little mini gauntlet tournament going on in the back of Christian's head already. And I'm, you know, absolutely positive that Snyder is going to be a part of that. And it's just a matter of who that is. You know, maybe it's, you know, mm-hmm. some of these people with a couple wins and, you know, we could probably go down the the rankings list and see, oh, you know, we haven't seen much from them in a while. while. I bet they're going to be in this kind of next gauntlet phase, including, you yeah. know, if he shows back up, Ethan Irwin, maybe. Yeah, I was going to say, in fact, we, Brendan Meyer, um, who we're going to talk about next, could be someone, you know, he did just pick up his first win. Uh, but combined with that free for all performance, you know, if he gets another win under his belt, I think he definitely deserves contention because he's looked really, really good. Um, at free for all and in his match uh, this month with video drew grant um, who I believe works at collider.com. Yes. She she just started there like um, less than a month ago, I think. Yeah. So very interesting character. Um, I'm not sure exactly if it worked for me. Basically she spoke in the third person the whole time, even when she was answering questions. Uh, I think the shtick definitely wore out its welcome a little bit. Um, We'll see. Um, you know, whether she sticks around in the showdown, but not a bad player at all. Um, she was able to get some round three questions. Um, she hung in there the whole time against Brendan, who was really hot in this match. You know, he had a perfect round in round one, picked up the nine points. Um, uh, you know, Drew struck video drew struggled a little bit in round two, um, with her Nicole Kidman questions, but Brendan, you know, wasn't able to really put her away in that second round. Um, but ultimately in the end, uh, he did only end up needing to answer his three pointer, um, Mm -hmm. to win in the final round. He could, could have won, I believe with the two pointer, um, if he had not misspoken saying Taika Waititi. Um, but regardless, he was able to. Taika Waita. Yeah. You know, uh, it happens sometimes. Uh, we've seen that with JTE certainly in the past among others, but (laughs) much deserved win, I think, uh, based on the way he played in the match. Um, and you know, that the way that he looked in the free for all, it's great to see him pick up a win because I think he's someone who, uh, I, we don't want him to disappear from the Schmodown. And, uh, sometimes when you're a singles competitor, you drop your first couple of matches, it's hard to get a match again, but I don't think that's going to be a problem for Brendan, especially with this whole storyline that they're hyping up with Bibbs, you know, maybe we'll see Bibbs give that number one contender shot that he's still sitting on to Brendan. I don't know, but it certainly seems like they're playing into this dynamic a lot. Yeah, you know, that would be really interesting. It, it, you know, as a competitor who's only one and one, you know, he's all the way at the bottom of the singles ranking. So, you know, 
it was great to get a win under his belt, but he's got a long road ahead of him in order to get into contention where you know he can be considered someone who might be up for you know a little gauntlet tournament that decides whether or not he could maybe be a number one contender, right? You know, of course, it, it's always going to be difficult when your first match was against primetime Polyama, who's probably one of, if not the standout rookie of the year outside of, of course, Kevin Smets and the inner geekdom. And so I, I guess with this win, I mean, I'm really happy that first off, like I'm really happy that the kid pulled this one out because he's someone that I want to keep seeing in the Schmodown, particularly after his you know incredibly strong performance in the free for all, like you mentioned, like we've mentioned on past episodes, even uh, as for video drew a very polarizing um, character, I think. And again, I know that the negative voices are often the loudest and those are the ones we probably saw the most of in the comments on the, on the Facebook page, et cetera, et cetera. We'll see if she makes a return. Uh, and if she does, if she, does maintain that character. I think it's something that Christian probably liked to mix it up a little bit, but uh, I don't know how well it was received for me. I didn't mind it as much as other people, but it was certainly off putting and disconcerting to say the least. I started to get used to it by the end of the match, but it's also one of those things where if I never had to engage with that character again, I don't know that I would be too bothered, but regardless, like I said, it was starting to grow on me a little bit towards the end of the match, and I'm sure it'd be fine if we did see that character again. And it seems like that we will see it because it seems like they were teasing a partner for her. Of course, not all the teases uh, come to fruition. We know this; we've seen it in the past. But you know, this season, most of the teases we've gotten have been pretty solid, and and we've gotten some follow through on that. So we'll see what happens. And just to go back quickly to a, the point thing we were talking about just before about the next, um, the next uh, kind of mini gauntlet tournament that might lead to one final um, defense title defense for Merle before we start the ultimate showdown singles tournament. I think that you could see some sort of gauntlet, maybe with Clark Wolf with Ben Bateman, maybe Bibiani could be in that. Maybe Riley gets another match as well. A shot. We know that Roka's taking time off until the ultimate showdown tournament. So I wouldn't expect to see him, but we also have a, the match between KO and Janine that could factor into a potential gauntlet down the road so there's lots of there's lots of players in the mix here uh, that could be mm-hmm. up for a sort of mini gauntlet tournament uh heading into the ultimate tournament on singles tournament not at all and you know maybe with video drew it's just a matter of refining that character a little bit um this was her mm-hmm. first match her first time out um i'm sure you know she had a idea of her character in her head maybe it came out exactly as she wanted maybe um, there are some things that she uh, can work on for next time uh, especially based on some of the fans' comments. But, you know, doesn't have to cater to the fans, certainly. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's a great point. Um, not everything is just for the fans. Of course, in the Schmodons, you know, relying so much on fan support, it is important to, to keep in mind and take into consideration what the fans want to see and, and what, the, you know, what the fans aren't vibing with. But that doesn't mean that they should have complete, you know, editorial uh, production control over it, obviously. Uh, and so... Yeah, I, I think that if we see her again, I think that's okay. And, and if she refines her character, that's totally fine. I mean, to a lesser extent, we saw something similar with primetime Paul Yama. I think I think he was really OTT in that first match against Brendan Meyer, and he definitely cooled it off for a little bit for his second match. And I think that's something that, that I personally appreciated. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's a good comparison point. Um, and Scott, you know, one more match that we did have in the singles division uh, involving someone who we've, has already come up today, and that's Chance Ellison. Of course, he faced off uh, against Emma Fife, the Golden Mike herself, in uh, sort of a bizarre matchup um, arranged by Sam Levine by virtue of the fact that Chance and Emma were somehow like adjacent to each other in the ranking. Chance, I think, was even ranked lower than Emma coming into this match. Um, but I don't uh, foresee that happening any time in the future um, because Chance was able to unsurprisingly make fairly quick work of Emma. You know, it started out kind of the way we expected to see it, it go, which was uh, Chance got a perfect round. He had nine He had nine points, and Emma was only able to scrounge together two. You know, she's always been a lot stronger in the inner geekdom division um, than she has in the singles. Despite the odds going against her in round one, uh, she was at least able to force a round three um, after she got a strong musicals round in round two, but um, unable to answer either of her first two questions um, in round three, and that did give chance to TKO, and he will take the momentum from that victory into his big match with Paulo Yama coming up. Uh, Scott, any takeaways from this match? 
Uh, my only key takeaway from this match is that it was a very weird dunk for Sam on Emma there, forcing her to, to play chance. And really, I think everyone came into that match uh, expecting exactly what happened, including Emma, including chance. I'd imagine. Yes. I think Emma did give her, give a good enough showing after she made it out of round one. Cause of course two for eight in round one. I mean, that's not good. <laughs> that is not good at all. And yeah. she knows that. And she knows that. And, and you know, it's not like she's, you know, gonna, you know, she, she knows that, that she, she has to do better, but she also wasn't asking for this match. Uh, and so the fact that she was able to go four for four in round two and clock six points with musicals. Yes, it is her, one of her preferred categories, but still going four for four still, still something there. And, you know, I think she missed her two and her three, which probably, you know, wasn't the best showing either in round three, but you know, it was just a weird match altogether. And I don't know really what else there is to add other than, you know, chance has another one under his belt. And now we're going to see him play Paul Yama. Yeah, I think that's uh, about right. I think, you know, we always knew that was going to be the showcase match for chance. This was kind of just a bump in the road, but you know, nevertheless, we've seen those bumps in the road uh, go South sometimes for the favorite. Um, But that certainly wasn't the case here. So uh, it was Nice for Chance to see him uh, do what he needed to do in this match and take care of business. And Scott, we will move on to the team's division now when we've already touched on it a little bit. Uh, But we have a new team champion. We have a new champion in this division, and that is the Odd Couple, who uh, slight underdogs, I guess, you know, by virtue of being the challengers uh, against the Shire Wolves, who um, had two successful defenses prior to this. You know, you, you called the Riley versus Snyder match your favorite match of the season. This is the one for me. I think, you know, I've talked about this before, but when I think about great matches, I really think about three things. I think about the quality of play, of course. Uh, I think about uh, the meaningfulness of the match, uh, the importance of the match in the league. Um, And I think about a match that has a lack of controversy. And this match delivered in all three of those areas. Um, It was tied after four of the five rounds. Um, The only round when it wasn't tied, I believe, was after the betting round, the Shire Wolves had a one-point lead, I believe. One or two-point lead. Uh, yeah, but right. the odd couple knotted it up in the uh, speed round, um, and then we were tied going into that final uh, round. The odd couple, really, it looked like they had shot themselves in the foot um, in this final round. Snyder, as you sort of alluded to earlier, did not have his best match in general, um, missed a few questions in round one and Draco kind of carried the load a little bit for them in round two. Um, and it it was just not, uh, what we're used to seeing from Snyder, but you know, the team's division, sometimes your partner can carry you. And luckily for the odd couple that it was a bit of an off day for the Shire Wolves as well. Um, and they were able to capitalize on that. They got their five point question, right. Uh, and were able to send it over to the Shire Wolves, um, who, Still could have won the match, uh, you know. They with they they trailed by five points um, when they the questions bounced to them, um, and Clark was unable to answer the three point question. However, after Rachel uh, got the two, um, which meant that it came down to the five point question for the Shire Wolves. Uh, they had to answer it to retain the belt, uh, and they weren't able to do so. Um, the odd couple took the, uh, again, slight upset victory, but based on the way that they've been playing, um, you can't say it was too big of an upset because they have really been on a roll um, since Roxy Stryer uh, began managing them this season. Um, and yeah, they are the, the new champions. And uh, it, was a, it was a really nice post-match interview session. Um, it, you know, th- there were really mixed emotions watching this match because obviously the Shire Wolves, I meant so much to this team league and, and so much to the Smodown in general, being the first female champions um, and, you know, really proving themselves um, in those matches against who's the boss and uh, critically acclaimed in particular. Um, you know, I, I was someone who was rooting for them to win every single match, basically, because there were so many haters early on. I, I think they've dissipated a little bit, but, you know, saying things like the Shire Wolves, hadn't played anybody. Um, they weren't, they didn't deserve to be champions, um, stuff like that. But, you know, winning those matches against who's the boss and critically acclaimed, I think really silenced all of those haters 
So, you know, it wasn't uh, a total uh, loss to see uh, them drop the title here. I think they proved so much and accomplished so much in that 6-0 and run to the start of their um, team career. And it was great to see Mark Andreco finally get a title, you know, so long he's for so long he's been known as like the best player without who hadn't won a belt uh, in the league but no more because he got the team belt here and in the post-match interviews got very emotional which was really nice to see because Andreco is someone who you know he's part of factions um, he's part of the storyline in the showdown but he's always sort of played it straight um, it, it's sometimes hard to know really how much he he buys into the kayfabe and everything that's going on outside of the ring um, but you saw really here in this uh, moment how much it meant to him uh, when he got emotional in the interview with Jen Sturger. And so I really appreciated um, seeing that uh, and, you know, particularly him talking about what the Schmodown community as a whole has meant to him, not just being able to play in these matches, but the friendships and relationships that he's formed as a result of the Schmodown. That's the kind of stuff that uh, I like to hear as well. Um, so again, mixed emotions, Shire Wolves, dropping the belt, always something that uh, was going to be hard to, to watch when it happened. Uh, but they surrendered to it, it to a team that was very worthy champions. And, you know, two guys who Snyder can be, he, he's definitely not as much of a heel as he once was, but um, you know, he, he, I think he's redeemed himself a little bit in the eyes of the fans and combined with Andreco and, and Roxy, who's, you know, front runner for manager of the year. Now they've made a great team. So great to see them pick up the title here. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned that this match was, you know, had more weight, had more importance than the Raleigh v. Snyder match, and I do not contest that. That is almost certainly true. It's a title match after all, but I think that it cannot be undervalued how important it was for Roxy Stryer to be there for the odd couple. Yeah, and so it, it, I think that the Raleigh v. Snyder match still was a critical match, of course, for Snyder's hopes to you know get a shot at the singles belt, but. Also for this team title match, because, of course, we'll never know how it would have turned out if Roxy couldn't have been there to support her, you know, her team. But we know how big of a role she has played in, you know, welding these two disparate personalities together into what we know we do know as the odd couple. And it's clear that these two guys are at the top of their game. Yes, they're they're quite different personalities. It's they they are an odd couple. I mean, the the name rings true for sure. But ever since we saw this pairing happen, you know, during the anarchy draw, of course, everyone talks about how Snyder yelled out when Andreco's name got pulled after his name got pulled and how excited he was and how pumped he was to have someone at the quality and, you know, the level headedness of Andreco on his team with him. But, you know, when back when we did our predictions on uh, whatever episode it was of of some like it's got last year, when we talked about this tournament, you know, I said, you know, this is one of the the teams to watch. I mean, I'm sure you felt the same way. And I'm honestly I'm blanking right now on who they lost to last year in the ultimate Schmidt on teams tournament. Is it the Harris? Uh, maybe oh, we'll maybe have to fact check that one um, at some point. But basically, I think that, you know. The fact that they lost early, relatively early in the Ultimate Schmodown tournament. Maybe they lost in the semifinals even. Hell, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm talking about now. But um, who knows? But the point is, is that I feel like they, they flew under the radar of how the, the quality of their team really was. Maybe because of the controversy of, you know, a match like Corruption versus the Founding Fathers or Who's the Bosses Run or, you know, the fact that John Roca and Dan Merle were on a team together. All those things. I think that there were just a few stories in the Ultimate Showdown Teams Tournament, understandably so, right, that overshadowed the odd couple since they didn't make it all the way to the finals and and make it all the way into, um, you know, into that title match against the Shire Wolves then. But then they came back strong this season. I mean, clearly the, the match they won in Chicago was outstanding that they played against Who's the Boss. And then, of course, you have to put together a Titanic performance to topple the Shire Wolves. And yes, things did go their way in the match, right? Like the shot, you know, you know, in halfway through round two, we pro- after the Shire Wolves stole the last question that they had in round two, it really felt like momentum just had swung completely in favor of the Shire Wolves. And, you know, only up, I think, you know, four or six points. I can't remember what it was off the top of my head right now, but only being up four or six points with the Shire Wolves to spin, you know, you, you probably might have been a little bit worried for them at that point. And the fact that they were able to grind out uh, and and get that match back on level terms, even though the Shire Wolves still had to spin, uh, 
is something you know worth noting, right? Other you know other lesser teams might have crumpled in the face of that final steal at the end of their you know your turn in round two, but uh, yeah, and then maybe a, some component of that is also the Shire Wolves just not having their best day, not spinning the category that they that they wanted. I think they did they get Julia Roberts or they got some actresses category. Yeah, you know, but they grinded out. They they did their work. They got a steal or two, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, and they really they really fought back hard where other teams might have collapsed a little bit. And in that final round, what I alluded to already, you know, and Draco got challenged on his answer to Aladdin's monkey. He said Apu, and it is Abu, of course. Uh, and, you know, Snyder briefly, it felt like, you know, went off the boil when Clark challenged it. Um, he seemed pretty irate, although you can't argue with it. it you know, and Draco is as honest as he always is. And it, it's, it's always wonderful to see competitors. And I think this is now actually the second time that Andreco has done something, you know, like this. I think he did it in a singles match as well, where, you know, he was just frank and honest about what he answered. He didn't try to change his answer. Um, if, you know, I have no idea whether he knew immediately after he got challenged that he was wrong, but it's one of those things where you just really respect competitors like that. And, you know, for the question after that, the three point question, Snyder seemed, you know, a little bit upset. I have no idea whether he'd be able to have answered that question when he was more level headed, but it really felt like things were falling apart and for for them and in that last a, round. Sorry, go it ahead. was a mus- it was a musicals question too, right? Which is Andrea's yeah, exactly. category. So uh, you know, he would have almost certainly been able to get that question right about La La Land. Yeah, I, I would have expect I you know, I would have expected so as well. And that definitely probably contributed to Snyder's frustration. But then Mark Andreco, level headed as ever, you know, does get a question in, you know, for his five pointer that he immediately knows the answer to. I have no idea whether Snyder knew it as well or or what that would have happened there. But you know, you mentioned earlier you, you have your teammate to pull the load sometimes. And, you know, even though Andreco might have quote unquote blown it a little bit and choked on that two point question saying Apu. Uh, he, he didn't choke on the five point question and that's ultimately the one that mattered the most. Yeah. You know, I said this to you, but I thought it was a relatively easy five point question. Um, given that I knew the answer to the question about a clockwork orange and I've never even seen the movie. Um, so, uh, you know, that not exactly what you want to see with the five point question. Uh, but I don't think it really tainted the result of the match at all. Um, I think that, again, a well-earned victory by the odd couple. This mm-hmm. wasn't really the Shire Wolves' day, really, for the first time we've seen a match that didn't really go their way. Um, but they'll get their chance again, of course, um, at the Schmodown Collision. They're going to get that immediate rematch since they had the two title defenses. And, you know, it may well be that they are able to win the belts right back. But for now, the odd couple uh, will get to hang on to those for about a month. Yeah, I mean, to to that point, last time we saw an automatic rematch, uh, we saw an Ironman match. I think there is literally no chance that the odd couple asks for an Ironman match against the Shire Wolves, because yeah. I do not think that that would be their strong suit. Not that they would not that it wouldn't be an intense match, but I'm sure they like their chances playing the game uh, more than just answering straight questions. My only lingering question now for at the Chila is now that Andreco has won his belt and is no longer the best player without a belt. Scott, who do you think is the best player without a belt now? Oh, that's a, that is a really good question. I mean, you know, it's probably Ben Bateman, right? That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's definitely the first one that comes to mind. Um, you know, there's a lot of good rookies, but yeah, I, I was going to say you could you could argue Kevin Smets, uh, maybe Paul. I mean, I don't know if Paul Yama is definitely not there yet, but you could argue Kevin Smets for sure. But I don't really factor in rookies into the conversation uh, when I think about the answer to that question. Yeah, no, that they, they have to earn their keep a little bit more, I think, before you can put them in that conversation. But yeah, I think. Yeah. Probably Bateman um, is the the person you would point to here. But it's an interesting question to think about for sure. Yeah, I mean, purely by rankings, if you just look at the singles, he's the highest ranked singles competitor without a belt. And that's not, I'm not saying that's the be all and the end all, mm-hmm. but uh, my, heart, that, my heart wants to say telling. Scott Mance. But, <laughs> uh, you know, as long as you forget his performance in the Anarchy Team Tournament last year, oh, I think you could probably get away with that. Yeah, he. Well, I'll tell you what, though, he definitely would have known that law. Law. Yeah, and if he didn't, he probably would have um, done something terrible to himself after the match. Retired. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, you could argue. I mean, just digging a little bit deeper into maybe some historical teams league play. Matt Atchity is probably a pretty good player who. who yeah, hasn't won no, a I was thinking about the their team, the Modoc slash Rotten Tomatoes team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, came really close against the Patriots, but. Um, didn't win that one title match. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a name up there, I think. Yeah, and there's a few others, but I think that they've had opportunities that 
you know, maybe they disappointed a little bit. You think of someone like Whitney Seibold, who was close to winning a belt, but really underwhelmed in his in his uh, singles match, his singles debut. And then against Diamond Dave Del Rio, who's will be getting a match against soon. But then there's also, uh, of course, Chance- Brian Chandler, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Brianne Chandler, who's in a titles match. She had a chance. Now, Chance Ellison hasn't been in a titles match yet, but he had a deep run with corruption uh, in the ultimate Showdown on teams tournament. So he's probably not there yet, but he's been in and around some some decent looks at a title match. Yeah. Lon Harris, maybe. Yeah, uh, that's that's a good one. Actually, I think Lon Harris. I was going to say, of course, Josh McCuga, but he has had a title shot. Never forget the first ever Ultimate Schmodown. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Josh McCuga is probably the greatest player if you put you know squiggly lines around greatest about what that might mean. But Josh McCuga is certainly a greatest player uh, in terms of contributions to the league without a belt. <laughs> without a belt, yeah. Um, he did have his t- uh, title shot, though, at one point. But yeah, you're right. Not a belt. Um, All right. Okay, okay Scott. Yeah, let's talk about the other big occurrence in the team division, something which we speculated about a lot on our uh, episode for last month. And that was, who is Stacey Howard's partner going to be? You know, they were building up to this for such a long time um, that we knew it was probably going to be someone uh, pretty good. It was going to be a satisfying reveal. And it was for me. um, I know, you know, not perhaps as much for you just because you don't have as much history with the Schmodown, but it was... For both of us, it was someone that didn't even spring to our mind um, when discussing potential partners. And so I think that was a good thing, really caught us by surprise. But Tim the Tank Franco, of course, well known for, uh, along with Late to the Party, being one of the people who sort of paved the way for fans to get their shot in the Schmodown, uh, paved the way for people like Janine and Paul Oyama and Chance Ellison, um, despite the fact that he'd only played one match um, coming into the uh, this Crimson Fury match uh, with his new teammate, Stacey Howard. Uh, that was a singles match against Matt Atchity. And, you know, he was extremely impressive in that match. Um, so much so that people had been begging for him to come back uh, for a while now. Um, you know, we didn't see him at all last season. But, you know, part of this is because, like late to the party, um, he lives in Arizona. But, yeah, and w- which is one of the interesting things about this to me, before we talk about the match, is just the fact that, you know, they built up to this storyline so much. Tim Franco is a member of Corruption now. Um, you know, is there, are, you know, is this supposed to make us believe that he is going to be able to uh, participate more in the Schmodown? Um, because, you know, it was such a long time before we were, we were able to see him again. Um, you know, I, I don't really know uh, what the deal is here. Um but I just feel like they wouldn't hype it up as much if we weren't going to see this team be a significant player. Uh, at the same time, you know, corruption, as far as a faction, it's not like they need a team, right? Um, they already have a team in Mike Kalinowski and Chance Ellison, who's probably an even stronger team than Crimson Fury. Um, so it's just going to be a little interesting to see how this, what role this team has going forward. Yeah, I think that it's definitely a big question mark for me. I'm surprised that, unless they have gotten a pretty firm commit from Tim that he's able to make it out for recordings and, you know, you know, regularly integrate into the Schmodown shooting schedule and and get another match with Crimson Fury. You know, I am a little bit surprised they went this direction for me. You're right. It didn't have that impact on me because I've never seen Tim Franco play, but it it clearly did have an impact on late to the party since he's a member of their group Mm -hmm. or at least was a member of their group. And of course, it had an impact on the fans who've been watching a little bit longer than I have who saw that match against Matt Atchity, saw Tim Franco prove himself. And now it's just a matter of whether or not uh, he he can consistently be taping matches in this moment. I think it does help that they're recording on Saturdays now, but it does require him to make that long trek from, you know, I don't know whether it's Phoenix or where they're located in Arizona, but you know, we see that Chance does that same commute and maybe they'll tag team it and split it and make it a little bit easier for the two of them to get out there more regularly, at least in terms of a cost expense. Uh, I mean, obviously the time is still what it is, but in terms of the match, I mean, this was probably not the greatest match. We'll, we'll see. It definitely is the lesser of the two team matches. I mean, of course it's such a high bar with, um, with that title match that we just talked about, but late to the party clearly rattled from the, from that betrayal of, of Tim Franco, but they managed to compose themselves well enough to actually tie it up at the end of round one with 11-11, which I think cut everybody <laughs> by surprise there. Uh, unfortunately, uh, they were not as lucky in round two 
when Crimson Fury spun one of their strings. Uh, I shouldn't say spun one of their strings. Spun Spinner's Choice and chose James Bond movies. Uh, and clearly, Corruption is the part is the faction of James Bond because yeah. between Mike Kalinowski and Tim Franco, I mean, they have to have the two best James Bond players in the league because Tim Franco crushed all six questions for twelve points in round two. And unfortunately, video game movies did did not treat Robin Vanessa as nicely. They only managed, I think, seven points uh, from their six questions. And even more critically, probably they uh, lost a two point steal in there as well. So the TKO that they ultimately got was was pretty inevitable. And uh, it was a strong start for Stacy and Tim. You will see when they do get it, whenever they do get their next match, whether it's, you know, this ne- this upcoming month in June or a little bit later, maybe it won't be until the ultimate Schmodown teams tournament. Uh, we'll just have to see about the, with the schedule, of course, but when they do get their match, it'll be interesting to see how they perform when they get a category that maybe isn't one of their strengths. It isn't James Bond. If they're able to grind it out, like some of the best, like the Shire Wolf, like the odd couple, like who's the boss, uh, if they can prove themselves there, because there's certainly potential. We we've talked about how, much how much we at least in the past have rated Stacey Howard as a competitor and Tim Franco has clearly shown off a, a strong start here uh, in the team's league and he had a good match against Matt Ashley that you've talked about in the singles league so he has the talent there now can they put it together can they be a competitive team you know of the likes of something like corruption in their faction and some of these other top tier teams that we talk about you know in contention for a number one contender spot for a title bout but maybe they'll have to go through some alternative means maybe they'll have to go through you know, the ultimate shot on teams tournament to prove themselves, to get up there to the top of the food chain. And, and, you know, it would be a good medium for them, for them to prove that because the team's division, as you know, Christian and Mark have said multiple times recently is the strongest it's, it's maybe ever been. And so they're a competitive team, uh, but they have a lot of competition to, to face off against and they will face stiffer competition than late to the party. Yeah, it really is loaded right now. You know, you look at that team's division and I think there are legitimately like, 10 teams maybe that you would not be surprised to see them win the title. And I think Crimson Fury, you know, they've only played one match, but I think you can count them among that bunch. Um, especially, you know, if they uh, get some more wins under their belt, um, we'll have to see who they face uh, coming up next. Maybe somebody like the family or the evil geniuses um, would be a, a, an opponent that makes sense for them going forward. But um, I think they're going to be uh, competitive uh, regardless of who they're facing. Yeah, I think it may depend a little bit on some of the outcome of the matches coming up. I'd be a little yeah. bit surprised if they played the Evil Geniuses, given that the Evil Geniuses are 2-0 and with two knockouts. Right now, they seem True. a little bit higher ranked. If they could pull the Paddington 2 back in, if they could schedule something with Achity and Duralde, I think that would be a good matchup for Crimson Fury. Uh, I think the family is a good shout, although they, of course, have a match that just dropped today against Inky and the Brain. We'll see what the mm-hmm. outcome of that is. I haven't watched that yet, um, but we'll we'll see. Other than that, maybe the new team of Zipper and Oyama, perhaps. Yeah, you know, maybe. I think that would actually be a great a great shout. Maybe uh, keep that corruption rivalry going. I imagine that that team would like to play, you know, corruption proper, but. I think if they were to get to that point, it would require them going through, you know, at least a couple teams where they got there. And you know what? Maybe Crimson Fury could be one of them. Maybe could start a faction war there. Yeah. And also factoring in Zipper and what uh, went down with him and corruption and him kind of getting shafted uh, by wanting to join corruption and not being able to. I think that would make for a good match, but we'll just have to see. I trust that uh, Christian has everything uh, well in mind at this point. I mean, abs- absolutely, especially because even to further that point you were just making, not only what happened between Zipper and Corruption, but the fact that Oyama and Zipper's team is most likely going to be managed by uh, Kaiser, and they're going to be a part of that faction. The, I think it's just it's starting to get called just the dungeon. We already we're already seeing a little bit of a faction war, obviously with the you know marquee matchup, or I guess what would have been the marquee matchup at the collision until that, of course, the title the title rematch that we're going to get as the main event. But of course, Kalinowski against Smith, and I know this is probably a good segue into the inner geekdom division here. But I think that you're, we're already seeing that faction war develop, and so to have have that furthered with a Crimson Fury uh, matchup for Oyama and Zipper, and of course. Uh, a matchup against Paulo Yama and Chance Ellison when that does happen. I think you're starting to see that faction war develop there, and uh, it would be fitting if that is what happened. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Scott, with that, why don't we uh, move into the Intergatedom division where we only had one uh, you know, competitive match uh, in the league, although I guess competitive may not be an a- adjective to adequately describe what went down in this match between Kevin Smets and Hector Navarro. 
uh, Navarro, the former intergeekdom champion, you know, kind of went into this match thinking, okay, this could be Smets's first real test in this division. And it wasn't. Um, Navarro clearly had some ring rust, held his own okay in round one, but then really fell apart in round two and uh, was not even able to make it to round three. And Smets scored, I believe, his third straight KO, right? Technically, I think his first match was a TKO. But yeah, I was going to say I think he TKO'd David Moore. But yep. but yeah, he he has yet to answer a third round question um, in any of these. Hard to have a more impressive start to a um, career in the Intergeekdom division, and I think he has well and truly earned the shot against Mike Kalinowski that he is going to get at the Showdown Collision. Yeah, you know his start to his career in Intergeekdom is rivaled probably only by Mark Kanopics last year in the Intergeekdom tournament i'd say maybe mara's start to her career was better just because in her first three matches she had to beat rachel cushing and maybe what is the best intergeekdom match of all time period of course that's you that is up for debate with some other matches thrown in there but you know that you know i don't know how many questions i cannot remember how many questions deep they went into sudden death but that was her third match you know that being said smets has got three ko's under his belt you know one tko two ko's and and that's you know, maybe even more impressive than what Mara did. I don't know. That's obviously up for debate, and there's probably no right or wrong answer there. But the point is, he's going to get a real test, hopefully, against Kalinowski. Uh, you know, you know, Michael, he really hit his form in the second half of last season with the Intergeekdom tournament moving forward. He, of course, was the figurehead of the entire league when it came to kayfabe on the second half of last year, and his performance has reflected his position in the Schmodown from that respect. And, you know, we've seen only him. We've only seen him a few times so far this year, but he's certainly well positioned to stake center stage again with some upcoming matches. We know he's going to be facing off against Janine. We know he's got this match against Smets. We know that Corruption and Founding Fathers are going to have a rematch. So he's got a lot of big matches coming up. And I think, you know, the rest of his season, and in fact, you could even argue maybe his whole season will be determined a lot by these, you know, these next few matches that he's going to be lined up for across all three divisions. And you know what? Not even Rachel Cushing is really active in all three divisions right now. So you got to give Mike credit there too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think this is going to be a heavyweight match um, when it goes down at Schmodown Collision. The trash talk building up to this match has already been something to behold. Um, so yeah, this is going to be uh, a one to watch. And definitely, I think Kevin Smith will have to answer a third round question in this one. Of course, I think I did say that about the Navarro match as well, but uh, I would be stunned if we see. Uh, a TKO in this match. Um, yeah, and to be fair, like I think it was like even halfway through round two before Hector spun, you would have said, oh, Smets is definitely going to answer a round three question in this match because it was close enough to where he was going to have to answer a round three question. Yeah. But then he spun away from Harry Potter and got Middle Earth and I mean, immediately, <laughs> immediately you knew the match was over. It was all over at that point, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's different, but you know, Mike is going to give him a test. I, th- I mean, we'll talk about predictions in a minute, but We'll, we'll, it'll be really interesting to see that match. Yeah. Uh, before we do get to the predictions, Scott, you know, you did also mention um, the uh, Harry Potter exhibition match, which was the exhibition match for the month. And Kevin Smets was able to get the W in this match as well, going up against John Roca uh, and two newcomers, um, Kim Horcher and Aaron Zek, I believe was the other one, uh, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Roca was definitely. Uh, the the odd man out here um despite his history working at universal um he uh he his harry potter knowledge seemed to be limited to the actors only um which is what he kept asking for questions about um and uh you know was was not as successful as the other players but uh the new players were able to hold in there uh, against you know a pretty unbeatable performance from smets um, Kim Horcher, mm. Kim, almost all the way, um, but not sure about how unbeatable that performance was. But we'll get to that in a second. Oh well, like, well, yeah. I mean, Scott's gonna try to dunk on him by uh, showing off his own Harry Potter knowledge. But um, it, it it was a comfortable win ultimately for Smets, although he you know he did get some tests from Aaron and Kim, um, and yeah, just shows how dominant he's been in the Intergeekdom uh, in another forum. But this was a fun match, especially with Emma Fife on the desk. No, absolutely. It was a fun match. I, you know, as much as I thought that this match may have been, quote unquote, lower quality than something like the MCU match or some of the other outstanding exhibition matches have, I really don't have the time of day for people who went into 
the Schmodown Facebook page and complained about the quality of this match because you know what? It still was an awesome match. Kevin Smets, you know, you called the performance unbeatable. I don't know if I go quite that far, but he put in a really freaking good performance. And I think that, you know, he's going to be beating 90 to 95% of competitors who came on the table against him. Do I think that there are competitors who probably could have beat him? I, I do. And, and that's because I felt like, you know, more so than any other time in my history watching this showdown that, you know, I really could have won this match. <laughs> and I don't mean that to, to dunk on him. Like I, I have read the Harry Potter books and watched the Harry Potter movies, you know, an embarrassing number of times. And so I like that's not meant to like a dunk on him or anything like that, because I think it was an incredibly high quality match. But in terms of his performances relative to his performance in the inner geekdom, it's certainly his weakest performance. He had, you know, I think he had more chinks in his armor in this match than any other. But you know what? That's because they were getting some really freaking deep cuts in Harry Potter in this match. And so I really just don't have the time of day for the people who came into the Facebook page. I think I read at least one post in particular that comes to mind. And we're talking about how this match needs to immediately be reshot. Like it's some freaking like Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, disgust trailer. Uh, and I was just like, I'm like, I don't understand. You've been spoiled by such high quality exhibition matches. And the fact that Sean Gerber got a literally perfect match in the MCU match that because Kevin Smets can't get every Harry Potter question right, that for some reason the match quality isn't good enough. Yes. Roka was out of his depth in this match. That's fine. Rachel Cushing didn't want to be in this match because she got killed by all the people in the comments because she didn't know every single person who like ever said a line in any MCU movie, which is just garbage. And I, you know, if people want, you know, someone like a Rachel Cushing to want to put herself out there and put herself in the spotlight to potentially where she gets hard questions, she isn't able to answer them and get ridiculed for it, then people need to treat them better. And, you know, that's just crap. Like, I was disappointed that Rachel wasn't in this, and I was disappointed that Emma wasn't in it either. But obviously, Emma being on the desk writing the questions, that was such a treat to have her there playing off Mark Riley with their dynamic and, you know, her Harry Potter knowledge and his lack of Harry Potter knowledge. I thought that Mark was Ellis. a hilarious. What did I say? Mark Riley? Yeah. <laughs> Great. Mark Ellis on the desk. Uh, yeah. And their dynamic and playing off each other. I thought that was awesome. But I think the other two competitors for Smets, you know, uh, Kim Horcher and Aaron Zek were very good opponents for Smets. I think either, I can't remember if it was Zek or Horcher, who was one question away from making Smets answer a five-point question because she was only one point down. It was Horcher, yeah. It was, yeah, Horcher. She was only one point down. She had her five-point question, and she missed it. And if she'd made it, Smets had already answered his two-point, and so he just had his three and his five left, and we would have had to see Kevin Smets answer a five-point question. And those five-point questions were crazy difficult. I I didn't know two of them uh, out of the three that were asked. And so I'm not saying that if I don't know them, no one else can get them, but very, very difficult questions. And we could have just as easily seen Smets lose right there. So to pe- someone come in the chat and Eric, someone to come in the Facebook group and say that this match wasn't competitive enough. I just, I, I don't understand what match they were watching because this match was extremely competitive. Uh, the players were very knowledgeable, uh, not to hit on Roka too much here, but maybe with the exception of Roka for Harry Potter. Of course, we know how knowledgeable Roka is across the movie trivia Schmidt from his time in the league, but Harry Potter, maybe not, uh, maybe not his forte. And he knows that too. That's not gonna, he's not gonna complain too much about that, but this was a strong match. I enjoyed it. And I'm disappointed in people who came into the chat or came into the Schmodown Facebook page and said, this match was a disgrace to exhibition matches and not worthy of the quality of, uh, I don't know, being a patron and getting this match. I'll admit, I didn't see any of those posts and that's, insane if that really was what they said um i think for for many of the reasons that you have um elaborated on so well maybe they deleted it because i saw it pretty quickly like when it was it had been posted pretty recently when i saw it well that's ridiculous um the exhibition matches have been great uh and this one was no exception uh but scott with that why don't we move on before we finish the show uh let's make some predictions and let's start with that singles gauntlet uh you know we talked about the five players who were in this Del Rio, Miller, JTE, Oyama, and Ellison. Who do you have uh, coming out of the this gauntlet on either side um, and facing off in that number one contender spot at the uh, Schmodown Collision? Yeah, I think JTE is back. So I think JTE is going to emerge from that side of the draw with uh, Liz Shannon Miller and David Del Rio. I think David Del I, I would pick. I would predict David Del Rio will beat Liz Shannon Miller. I think it'll be a close match, but I think he will come out on top. And so there's a potential there, depending on how he performs on Friday when we do see him. 
that he could give JT a challenge, but I think JT is is sharp again. I think he's he's he wants a, a shot at the belt. He wants to prove himself after he had to miss the back half of last season from his accident. And on the other side, you know, I think Paul's got chance in this one. I, I don't know how you're feeling about it, but I think it's going to be a Paul Oyama versus JT. And you know what? I'm going with a rookie. I think Paul Oyama is going to do it. I agree. Um, actually, I think I actually think that Liz Shannon Miller will win against Del Rio. Um, she had a really strong performance in her first match against Demi Adiji eBay and Christian has really hyped her up and Christian has usually been right in the past about the people that he's hyped up. So I think she could win this and I think she could give JTE a run for her money, but I am going to go with little evil just because of the veteran factor. Um, but I think Paul's, this is Paul's to lose. I think he'll get past chance and then I think he'll be able to handle JTE uh, based on the way that he's um, played so far. Uh, in his first couple of matches. So uh, nevertheless, it, it should be very exciting whoever ends up coming out of this. Yeah, it's been, it's kind of crazy to say that Oyama has been under the radar, but I really think he has been under the radar. I think that we haven't seen any weaknesses from him yet. I mean, I, I can't remember if his, I don't think it was a TKO against Brendan Meyer, but his performance uh, more recently in a second match against, I'm actually forgetting who he played, but I mean, that was such a commanding and strong performance. He just he played ripped apart that class. Oh, that's right. He played Makuka. Okay. So, you know, maybe there, I mean, not to hit Makuka too hard here, but you know, maybe there's a caveat there. But he. Well, it was seven to like, seven after the first round, I believe. That's true. Makuka had a great first round. That's a really good point. Um, but the, the point is, I think Oyama's the real deal. I think he's yeah. the best rookie uh, we have, uh, you know, in the singles and teams league. And I think that he's going to get a shot at Dan Merle. Uh, I don't know if he's ready for that stage in terms, not in terms of his quality, but in terms of, you know, the the spotlight and the pressure. I don't know if he's there yet, but I think his knowledge is worthy of a title shot, and I think he's going to earn it. Yeah, you know, you say he has no weaknesses, and I think that's probably right, at least not that we've seen yet. Even class categories like classics, which can give people a hard time sometimes, it's one of his strengths. So I think he's uh, done a good job of uh, preparing himself to, to be in this moment. And now uh, we'll see if he can take his chance, um, no pun intended, and get himself into that title match, uh, that next title match in the singles division. Uh, Scott, mm-hmm. another match uh, to predict uh, is that other inner geekdom match, which we uh, talked about coming up at the collision. And that's uh, Mike Kalinowski against Kevin Smith's really hard choice in this one. Who do you like? You know, it's been a while since we've seen Kalinowski uh, playing inner geekdom match. You have to go all the way back to that title match against Rachel uh, at the first Schmodown throwdown back in February. The first and only so far. We'll see if we get another one this year or not. But, uh, I, I, you know, it's hard to pick against Kevin Smets. I mean, the guy is incredible. I think Kalinowski could do it. It's really going to depend on how sharp he is on those inner geek and categories. I mean, we know that Smets's knowledge is so deep. He has no <laughs> noticeable weakness. I think maybe the only way you might be able to throw him off is with something like movie quotes or with something like mixed bag. But his knowledge is so broad that it's really even hard to see that bother him because we saw him get who said it in the match against Navarro. And he still did a great job grinding out points. It wasn't a perfect round for him, but it was a very respectable round. And so I think I have to go with Smets as much as I want. And I will be pulling for Mike to win this match because I do like Mike quite a bit. I don't know if I can really I don't know if I could really believe saying that he's gone. He's going to win this match. I'm going with Smets as well, Scott. I think that since his first match in this league, this is what he's been, you know, you know, hyping up for. This is what he's been preparing for to get that shot against Kalinowski. And I just can't see him squandering this chance. Um, and I think he's going to get the win in a very close and very competitive match uh, that may well end up being the highlight of this Schmodown collision. Yeah, I, I agree. It definitely. I mean, I don't know what we'll get from that title match rematch that we're going to get the of course shire wolves versus um the odd couple part two but this one for me in terms of hype for seeing the match i think this might even be eclipsing the shire wolves and odd couple all right scott one more match to pick from the uh collision and i think we'll be doing a little bit of speculating on this one because we don't know exactly who's going to be in the match but we do know that there's going to be a manager bowl, uh, the second ever manager bowl, first one coming at Schmodown Spectacular 2, of course, won by Emma Fife. Um, but let's say, Scott, hypothetically here that you throw all the managers in the ring. So you got Jay, you got Roxy, you got Kaiser, you got Ken Knapsack, 
You got Dagnino. Um, am I missing anybody? You got Robert Meyer Burnett. Um, let's say you throw all of them in there. Who do you think could come out on top of this match? Ken Napsok. That's who I'm going with. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, Ken uh, is an underrated player. You know, he had some some good times back in the Nerds Watch days when he was with Rachel Cushing. Um, and he may have a little bit of rust having not played since last season. Um, so will all of these guys, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think if I'm going to go with a backup, I think maybe Bobby Gucci could give him a run for his money if the categories go the right way. I mean, he was very close to winning that first manager bowl and he was very close to winning the commissioner bowl last year. Um, so I think, you know, he was one David Ayer away from, from yeah, winning he the really commissioner's was. bowl. <laughs> so I think, you know, he's actually going to, he, he's going to want to win this match at least as much as, you know, Dagnino wants anything. Um, and so I, I could see him perhaps stealing the spotlight from, uh, from Ken, but, I don't know if any of these other people have much of a shot. I, I have no idea if Kaiser even knows anything about movies at all. Um, Roxy, I w- highly doubt is even going to play in this match based on um, her comments on Collider Live and, and beyond about not ever wanting to play. Hard to blame her for that when you get killed in the comments. Yeah, no, very true. Uh, you know, I, I don't fault her at all for that. Um, and she's done an amazing job managing, so... Um, you know, she, it may be that she doesn't even really need to play in this match and get that, whether it's a number one contender or title shot, whatever the prize is going to be for this. Um, because if it's consistent with the last time, it'll be a number one contender spot mm-hmm. and you get to choose who you play. Right. Well, her boys right now are the champions. So she's not, not really something she needs, you know, that may change after collision. Uh, but I don't think we'll see her in this match. Um, and you know, maybe we'll see the rest of the those names I mentioned, though. But yeah, I like Ken to win this. But I mean, even let's just say they do retain the belts at the collision against the Shire Wolves. I think that you still have Jeff Snyder probably seeking a number one contenders match yeah. singles or Mark and Drago seeking a number one contenders match singles. So it's not that they couldn't use that number one contender spot, but I do think that she'll probably be out of the question. And I think that if Ken Knapsack does win that uh, the manager bowl and he did have a number one contender spot at his disposal, I think it would be really interesting to see where he would use that. Would he use it for corruption? Would he use it for Mike Kalinowski in a, you know, pick your division, right? You know, whether it be in or geekdom, if things don't work out with Smets, whether it be in singles, you know, maybe he wins the match against Janine, but isn't in line for a title shot. And so, you know what? Ken throws down the number one contender. I think there's lots of potential there. And the manager's bowl is something that is really interesting to me. Yeah, no, I always think these matches are fun, even if they're not the highest qualities. You get a lot of personalities going on and sometimes sometimes some creative uh, wrong answers for sure, especially when Dagnino is involved. Okay, Scott. Absolutely. Well, I think that should just about do it. No, for we're, our- not gonna, we're not going to predict the Shire Wolves against, against the Odd Couple rematch? We can if you want. I mean, you know, we just had the two of them play. I'm not sure what there is to say, but yeah, go for it. Well, who do you think is going to win? No, I don't know. Okay. I'm kidding. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I just want to see the pet after I can find about it. Okay. Uh, no, I, you know, I think the Shire Wolves are going to win the belt back. I think that nothing, I mean, the odd couple didn't have their best day, right? I mean, we talked about how Jeff Snyder did miss a few questions here and there that, you know, maybe that could have been the difference between it being a comfortable win for them versus uh, a win on the final question. But I think that there's no way that the Shire Wolves uh, have, as you know, I say as weak, right? They still had a strong performance, but there's no way they don't have a stronger performance in this second matchup that they're going to play here. And so I think it really does matter whether Jeff Snyder can, you know, raise his game that extra five, 10% uh, that he could have improved his match here because the Shirewolves are going to come back firing. I think that this might've even been their weakest performance in the Schmodown since they became a team. Uh, and so I, I don't think they can count on that happening again. Uh, we mentioned that sometimes kind of the stars have to align for you to to win against some of the best teams, you know, in the Schmodown. And I think the stars aren't going to align as well next time for the odd couple. I think you're right. Um, I think that the the Shire Wolves, you know, we have as big enough sample size with them at this point after seven matches to know that what went down in that last title match was an anomaly, was not something that we should expect to see again from players of Rachel and Clark's high quality. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, Snyder is definitely going to have to step it up. But even if he does, I don't know if it'll be enough because I think the Shire Wolves are definitely still hungry. They want to get right back to the top of that mountain. And I think they'll be able to do that. 
Yeah. One final question before we do leave, Scott. What do you think the chances are that we have a title match rematch that ends up being a three-way if Dan Merle throws down his title shot for the Founding Fathers before the collision? You know, that would be awesome. Um, And I could see it happening just because, you know, the Founding Fathers have played themselves basically, you know, to a place where they're, you know, it's about time for them to get a title shot, but they've kind of been shut out by what's going on here with the Shire Wolves and the Odd Couple. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised because I think, um, you know, we were supposed to see Founding Fathers and Corruption next, but like now we don't really know when that match is going to happen. So maybe Dan gets impatient and, you know, throws down the gauntlet. Personally, I think that would be awesome. We've never had a three-way teams match before. I don't even know how that would work, uh, but it would be cool to see. I think that it would be the perfect time to do it. I don't know if it'll happen. I'm not even necessarily think I don't even necessarily think it will happen, but it would be really cool. That's actually mainly why I wanted to talk about the, the title match of the collision. Understandable. Um, I think that's a very interesting theory. If it comes true, then I will, uh, you know, call you a rain man. Okay, Scott. Well, I think that should just about do it for this May 2019 episode of Champs Lunch. Uh, hope you've enjoyed it. Again, make sure to check out our Houston episode right here in the same feed. And also make sure to check out our episodes of Some Like It Scott right here in this feed. Uh, been going through some of the big summer movies recently. Be talking about X-Men this coming week um, and some more big ones in the coming week. So be sure to check out what we're doing with the Some Like It Scott podcast. And we hope you will be back uh, regardless next month uh, for our June episode of Champs Lunch. And we'll be breaking down all that action from the collision that we just predicted. Uh, but until then... I'm Scott Harvey for Scott Shelton. We'll see you next time. Champs lunch. Champs lunch.